0: And welcome to the Black and White Podcast, where we discuss relevant topics in our culture today and speak radical grace, raw truth, and real hope in a gray world. I'm Denise Pass, and I'm honored to have David Barton, founder and president of Wall Builders LLC, with us today. David, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Denise. Appreciate it. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. Well, the scripture for today's episode is taken from Psalm 11. Verses 1 through 3, the New International Version. In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Wall Builders is an organization dedicated to presenting America's forgotten history and heroes, with an emphasis on the moral, religious, and constitutional foundation on which America was built. A foundation which, in recent years, has been seriously attacked and undermined. David, can you tell us a little bit about why you called your organization Wall Builders? I imagine some people might try to tie it into Donald Trump when they first hear it has anything to do with the wall.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we are are not doing anything on the southern wall of the United States. We're, We're not building anything down there. Uh, this is a name we actually have had now, goes back to the late 80s. We took it out of the Bible book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is just a wonderful story of grassroots people getting involved to rebuild things that have been torn down. And so the book of Nehemiah, it, it records the largest grassroots effort in the Bible, and they've restored their nation in a very short period of time when they all got involved. And that's what we like about that book and that story is it is not... Getting healthy from the top down and just getting healthy from the bottom up, and that happens when people get involved.
0: Amen. this is so important that we remember our foundation. If we forget our vision and purpose, we lose it. You have a new book out called "This Precarious Moment." We live at a time when apathy and complacency seem to be the norm. Christians are often mocked for both their religious beliefs and political positions. I believe you address this in your book. What should the righteous do when the foundations of faith in our nation are shaken?
1: Well, the first thing we have to do is is really kind of be aware of where we are. If we don't know where we are, then we don't know where to go from where we are. You have to start by locating yourself on a map and seeing where you are. And for Americans, that really is difficult uh, because we experience things no other nation has ever experienced. Uh, For example, we've had one constitution for 231 years, newsflash. The length of the average constitution in the history of the world is 17 years. So we are so used to stability that we just kind of think that's normal. What we have is not normal. It does not go on forever. It goes on as long as we preserve the foundations. Um, You look at where we are with prosperity. We are 4% of the world's population. We produce 25% of the world's GDP. And by the way, according to census data, If you live in poverty in America, your lifestyle is higher than middle class in Europe. So those who are in poverty in America have a better lifestyle than middle class in Europe. And we're all the time talking about the poor and taking care of the poor, which is a good thing, we should, but we need to realize that our definition is different from every other definition in the world. So what we have here is unique and you can't just assume it's going to last forever. And that's why we we literally, we we titled the book, This Precarious Moment, because what we have, we've reached a cliff, a precipice in six different areas. And right now, our momentum says we're going to go over the cliff. If we do, it's not something you recover from. Just to give you a quick example, there is not in the history of 5,500 years of recorded history, there's never been a nation who's been socialistic that has been a prosperous and a free nation that has been a world power. Every time a nation becomes socialistic, it leads to tyranny, always does. It leads to new constitutions, leads to new forms of government. It's just it's a radical change. We're at the point now where the 75% of college students want socialism to replace what we currently have. If that happens in America, we don't exist. Uh, we have a Bill of Rights. 53% of college students now don't think we should protect free speech. 19% of college students actually believe that violence is an appropriate response to free speech we disagree with. So mm-hmm. we're looking in a number of areas. Statistically, we've moved to a point where we don't know who we are anymore. We don't know what to do to preserve these rights, to preserve this, this form of government. And if we don't make some decisions, and right decisions based on right information, then we'll have trouble. And that's why we chose the, the six areas we chose were racial tension in America is, is man, it's at a rough spot. Uh, where we are with immigration is a very rough spot. Where we have been with Israel has been bad. It is getting better under the current administration. Uh, where we are with millennials and what they're being taught and what their beliefs are, if that's not changed in some way, then America does not survive as we've known it. Um, we look particularly also at where the church is. Uh, The church is the most ineffective it has been in modern American history. That's a matter of statistics. It's not my opinion. Uh, We are declining and plummeting. We're the most irrelevant we've ever been. And actually, the the percentage of those in America who claim to be Christians is plummeting. Uh, We've Mm -hmm. gone from 2006, 47% of Americans claim to be born-again Christians Today, it's down to 31%, so we cut it nearly in half in just in a decade. Mm -hmm. So everything's moving in the wrong direction for for preservation of stability, and that's what we cover in the six areas. And, And what we really try to do is one of the difficulties we have in America today is we are inundated with news channels, and that's fine, but the focus on news channels is national news. It's not what you can do locally. And so we we see very few stories or very few opportunities for us to engage in local things and and really kind of fix the nation. We've designed this book for what the average citizen can do. And as wall builders, the the name out of Nehemiah shows, you get healthy from the bottom up, not from the top down. We don't wait for the Supreme Court to come in and fix everything or the Senate or the House or the president. You get healthy from the bottom up and we give specific things people can do.
0: You know, I really love the emphasis on reflection and examining ourselves. Know thyself is a principle I think that is good for individuals to really examine themselves before God. And as a nation, if we really know who we are, you know, then we're not going to want to go and drift from that. You know, you also, you know, in these six urgent steps you talk about, I'd like you to just kind of expand on those a little bit more, but maybe also share why you think the foundations of our nation have been shaken?
1: There's several reasons why they've been shaken. One is because the church has become very silent. Mm. Uh, By polling right now, only 2.8% of pastors are willing to address issues that are in the news. And historically, the church was always good about saying, you see what's going on? Here's what the Bible says about that. Here's what you can do about it. And here's where we need to be. So the church was always very relevant in making biblical truth apply to everything in life. There are three hundred eighty-four thousand churches and senior pastors in America uh, calling five to six hundred churches a day on polling. We now find that seventy-two percent of churches say they do not believe the Bible and do not agree with its teachings. Mm. Well, that leaves you twenty percent. But of that twenty-eight percent, ninety percent of the pastors of the of that twenty-eight percent of churches, ninety percent of them say yes. The Bible does address current issues. The Bible addresses things we're facing today, like immigration. or or sexuality, or economics, or education. And and in 14 different categories that we face today, these pastors say the Bible addresses that. Then we ask, okay, have you addressed that from the pulpit, or will you address that? And 90% of the 90% say, no, we will not address that. Those are political Mm -hmm. issues, we will not touch those. Wait a minute, you just said they were Bible issues, so you're not gonna talk about the Bible just because something's in the news? And so that's where we really have have stepped into a place where there's no longer a voice training the people. There's no longer an influence in the community. There's no longer a voice to the community. There's no longer a standard that's been erected or raised of right and wrong. And, And so that's one area where foundations have been destroyed. A second area where foundations have been destroyed is that we've reached a point where two out of three Americans say there is no absolute moral truth. Nothing is absolutely right or absolutely wrong. Now, the problem with that is two out of three Christians say the same thing. Nothing is absolutely right. Nothing is absolutely wrong, which means we can't even agree on something as simple as the Ten Commandments. You know, don't kill and and don't steal and don't purge yourself. So we no longer have a common foundation, which is why we're such a polarized nation right now. We can no longer agree on what's right or what's wrong, what behavior is acceptable, what behavior is not. And a lot of people do agree, but they've really been silent because you have so many bullies on the other side Mm. that if you say something, um, social media, if you do something on social media, you will get your brains beat in. So it's interesting that from a political standpoint, when you look at self-identification in America, you can self-identify as liberal or conservative or moderate. Right now in America, only three states in the United States have more self-identified liberals than they have conservatives. In many states, it's a two-to-one margin of conservatives outnumbering liberals, yet that's not the perception we have. Right. And that's because conservatives tend to be very quiet. They don't want to get shot at. They don't want to get beat up. And, and, and so what has happened is we become silent, and and there's, there's a, a really – About 70% of the population still holds a lot of common values. They just won't talk about them because they get the brain speed in. So Mm -hmm. we have reached a point to where we're making decisions that are helping perpetuate the destruction to which the nation is headed if we don't turn some things around. And so that's where we show, for example, millennials. I am so excited over millennials. They have so many things that are wrong in their thinking. No question about it. Uh, millennials are those that go up to about 37, 38 years old, so younger adults, but in that group, 59% of them have never been married because they believe that they're just irrelevant. So mm-hmm. the, the societal effect of that is that 57% of kids and millennials have been born outside of marriage, and we have scores, dozens, hundreds of studies showing that children born outside of marriage will have will have lower academic scores. They will have more behavioral problems, more gang problems, more depression, more violence. They will, I mean, it's all there. So we've been teaching marriage is not that significant a deal. And now we have a generation who's facing problems at a level that we haven't seen before. But the cool thing about millennials is that they are so easy to change their mind once you show them what truth is, Mm -hmm. but you can't preach it. You have to create a relationship, a one-on-one. And this is something the church has avoided for years. We like mass everything. We like mass evangelism, mass conversion, mega churches. It used to be all about discipleship. Mm. You got people one-on-one. And so over the summertime, we we bring in um, all summer long, two weeks at a time, groups of college and high school students. And I love seeing how quickly they change once you expose them the truth in small groups. Um, I'm sitting here surrounded by all sorts of artifacts, but we own 120,000 documents from before 1812. We own thousands of artifacts from American history. We have a schoolroom set up behind me here, hanging on the wall behind me. Uh, that's a flag from D-Day, the invasion of D-Day. So World War II, you name it, we have it. And this is stuff that, that millennials have never been taught. And once they get in here and see this, and it's so different to what they've been taught, they instantly change. It is so easy. So I'm really excited about how easy it is to change. But that won't happen if you don't engage someone, if you don't create a mentoring relationship and say, hey, can I show you something? Can I share with you? They are so accepting of relationships once you do that. But that's not what the church is doing now. We're trying to do the mega church thing and speak to the huge masses. And that's just not the way you could help them.
0: Right. I think there's a lot of consumerism today, too, and people just expecting others to solve the problems and even uh, worldliness that has come into the church and invaded it so that the mindset and the thinking has become this, you know what, we'll let other people solve the problems and we can't put the truth out there because that's being judgmental. and it's like no we are supposed to be the salt and light of the world but how should we be the salt and the light of the world you know and i do think you're right about you know this precarious moment it's for such a time as this you know we are stewards right now of this moment of history you know and how will we go down in history as you know for the coming generation will we stand for truth will we try to keep the tie going toward christ or will we just let it go toward the world. So, I mean, I, I really appreciate what you're sharing. You I know, mean, three of my kids actually um, did an, uh, went through an organization, leadership school, Team Pact. I don't know if you're familiar with it.
1: Very familiar with Teen Pact. It.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. It's wonderful. And that really kind of what you're saying about bringing kids there, it is so refreshing when you hear that next generation coming up and they're excited about truth yeah. And wanting to go out and say, hey, we're not just going to take what other people are saying. We're going to actually think for ourselves and we're going to look at our foundation and who we are and we're going to live by that. And I think we just have a lot of people who are, you know, followers and they're just going to follow whatever the propaganda is out there.
1: And that they're followers because they don't know there's another path. No one's ever shown sure. them a different road to travel. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really am really thrilled over the younger generation because they just didn't know a path was there. Once you show them other paths, they want to go explore those paths and they want to go into it and see what's down those roads. They've never been exposed to that. Uh, Education used to teach students how to think. Now they've become only learners, which means we indoctrinate you with the views of your professors. And so rather than having you think and explore Mm -hmm. and go out and find truth and see what works and doesn't work, We're going to tell you there's 92 different genders, and you can choose any one you want. Well, I can take you out through any pasture. Any cowboy can show you there's only two genders in every herd. It's it's easy. Science can show you there's only an X and a Y chromosome. doesn't matter what your opinion is. There's only two chromosomes, and they determine gender. So what happens is you get indoctrinated with things that are really, really pretty wild and pretty illogical, and once you come back and see that there is scientific truth, there is natural truth, there is biblical truth, there is actual reality, they're they're really cool with that and, and really enjoy a different perspective, but they've just not been exposed to that. So since about, out of particularly the last 20 years, we're much more into indoctrination than we are into education, and we're creating uh, social justice warriors, and we we teach them that if anyone disagrees with what I'm telling you, you need to go out and fight against them. And that's why you see so much of of what we we have right now. But if you can sit down and create a one-on-one relationship, you'll find that they really change really rapidly. And so that's, that's, again, why we do the book to show what individual people can do. This is not a solution that's going to come from leadership at the top down. This is where America gets healthy from the bottom up. And that's always been the story of America. I mean, in history books, we actually cover George Washington as the the reason we won the revolution. And there is no doubt that he was final instrumental. But if you look at the battles of the revolution, generally, they were won by local people who went out and defended their own areas. The Battle of Lexington did not involve any national leadership. It was Reverend Jonas Clark, who took 70 guys from his church out there to face 700 British. The Battle of Concord did not involve any national military leadership. It was the Reverend William Emerson who took 300 guys from his church out there to face the British. Mm. The same with the Battle of Buckingham, the same with all these other. When you win all the local battles, you win the national war. And so we have now made the focus on national leadership, George Washington, whoever else, rather than on the Jonas Clarks and rather than on on, on the mm. uh, Reverend Spring and Reverend, Reverend James Calder. All these guys we used to talk about, we don't. And so that really is historically the solution. Uh, You get back to individual communities, individual citizens, individual parents, individual teachers, and and that's where we get healthy. And and that's what what we're really helping encourage people and showing them what they can do to make the nation healthy.
0: Well, you know, I think it's really good that you're emphasizing individuals, because I think a lot of times individuals feel like, how can I affect this? I mean, this huge mess we have here, what is it that I can do? You know, whether it's a stay-at-home mom or it's a teen, you know, all of us can play a part. And you do mention those six urgent steps that will save ourselves, our family, and our country. How does that fit into what we can do as individuals?
1: Well, it is all about individuals. It is based on individuals. And and one of the things that I've noticed, particularly in recent years, and I do lots of national media. I'm very connected politically. Uh, We have a network of about a 1,000 state legislators that we deal with on a regular, that is a daily basis. There's probably 120 members of Congress that I consider to be very good friends. I have friends all throughout the the cabinet-level administrations in D.C. I've got friends at the Supreme Court, et cetera, and I'm like everyone else when the supreme court comes down with the goofy decision that said hey let's redefine marriage Mm. there's nobody i can call to make a difference when when president obama says let's make israel our enemy as many people as i have in dc i can't call the president and cause him to change it or when when the senate the house has passed 500 bills this year the senate has not even considered and i can't call anybody in the senate and say what's wrong with you guys why don't you make some progress And so what happens is I get paralyzed because I look at problems from the national level. Mm. But if I back up and say, you know what, I can't fix that, but I can sure fix a lot of things at my local level. You know, for for me as a Christian, as a conservative, as as what's called an evangelical, it distresses me that the number one sex education curriculum used in America, including in the red states and in the red cities, is Planned Parenthood. Mm. That's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. But I don't need the Department of Education to fix that. I'll go elect a new school board member that'll say, we're not going to use Planned Parenthood curriculum in our schools. I'll Amen. elect a new school board member that says, you know what? We're going to do what seven states have now done, and we're going to put in God we trust on every wall of every classroom mm. of our school. You know, those are not national. Th- I can – and just to give you an example, um, it was out of Texas, North Texas, here about 4 years ago that school board in fort worth said hey let's just have one locker room for all students and one bathroom for all students let's not do any genders anymore and so we're going wait this is texas that's not what we do <laughs> and so the the school board you know eventually reversed that they got so much pressure but president obama said that's a great idea and he took the fort worth policy went to the department of education and the Department of Education came out with the directive that said, if you receive federal funds, you will get rid of gender. You will have one bathroom and one locker room, et cetera. And so all over the country, mm-hmm. people started rising up to say, no, not in my community. And so there was a community in northwest Arkansas. It's a town of 40,000 people. And in northwest Arkansas, this lady stepped up and said, no, we're not going to do that in our schools. And she ran for the school board. Now, she got elected. Here's the deal. There are 40,000 people in town. The school board election, there was a total of 35 votes that were cast in that school board election. and She won the majority of those votes. But you're thinking, 40,000? No, you need to think 35. I can wow. get 35 of my friends to go elect someone. Try this. There was a pig farmer in Iowa, and this pig farmer said, no, you're not going to do that in my schools. And so this, this guy said, I'm going to run for school board. I'm going to stop this in my schools. And he ran for school board. And it turned out that on that day, he got busy and did not vote for himself. Now, it was not that he lost the election by one vote. It is that nobody at all voted in the school board election. Had he voted wow. for himself, he would be the entire school board by himself. Mm. You see, this is a story all over America. City councils and school boards and mayors they're elected by a handful of people. You know, I, I can't turn a whole state in a presidential election, but I can turn a community. I can turn a city. I can turn a school board or a city council race. And, and that's where you wow. can help. If we start getting good people at city councils and good people at school boards, they will eventually run for state rep, and they'll work their way up to state senator, and they'll become our governors and our presidents. But that's because we're building a farm team at the local level. And that's where so much policy actually happens at the local level. So that's really part of what we emphasize: is hey, turn off the news on the national level because you can't do anything about that. But here's what you can do at the local level, and this will make us healthy at the national level.
0: Mm, that is so good. I think if people could understand that, right where we're at, to maybe even ask God to open our eyes, what has He called us to do that we can affect? the deterioration of our society. Well, we're going to close this episode today, but have you back next week to continue this discussion, because I believe there's a lot more that the Lord wants you to share. Thank you for being with us today, David. We're going to have links um, on this episode on my website that you can go ahead and look at that we've referenced in these episodes. And also if you'll put a comment Um, on the post, you'll be entered to receive a copy of one of his books. The raw truth is, if we do nothing to help solve the problems in our nation, that is doing something. It is contributing to the decline of our nation. The radical grace is God has blessed our nation abundantly, and we still have a large Christian population. If God's people will humbly pray and act, God can use his people to turn the course of a nation. The real hope is revival begins with one. No one is insignificant. We each can do our part to help our nation heal. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth.